and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malazan read-through podcast. My name is Peter Bond, and with me today is my friend and closest confidant, India Jones. Hello! That's right. Love the energy. Thank you. Give it to me. I need it. <laughs> Our producer, AJ Faleri. The, the the suspense of you maybe calling India something else besides your friend and closest confidant was really, really gave me a start this morning. And the last but not least... Um, Airbender. <laughs> Boo. Uh, I believe Josh has watched Avatar. I don't think he's seen all of Korra. That is accurate. I'm, I don't, I've accurate. also not seen it. Yeah. And uh, Joshua Baker's here he, on the show. His eye. You know, sometimes I listen to these shows and they have like really hyped up intros. Yeah, you know? Peter, I'm not going to lie. Your energy for this one was not <laughs> optimal. <laughs> Why don't why don't each why don't each of us take a stab at an intro? Oh my god! Yeah, and then and then AJ can put them all together, and we could all be multiple <laughs> voices put, doing one don't intro. Put that on me. <laughs> yeah, I don't want yes. that. I don't want that pressure. <laughs> all right, uh, I I like where this is at. What uh, India? Can you just start the show for us? Absolutely. I thought you'd never ask. Books and Bells and Read Through Podcast. I'm India. Um, the probably least capable, actually, no. I'm, hmm. Let's start this over. <clears throat> I'm gonna start with an insult. Positivity only. Yes. Books of Mouse and Read Through Podcast. My name is India. I've not read every book in the main series, and neither have my co-hosts, with the exception of me. <laughs> um, so uh, without further ado, I'm gonna introduce my co-host. Um, my friend and closest confidant, Peter Bond. Oh, hello, India. <laughs> Keep it up, you're doing great. My second friend that I met in college, but we weren't friends until now. Joshua Dean Baker. Woo! And last, but most certainly not least, I just met him in the meat space two years ago. <laughs> it is AJ Falleri. We actually also met while while you were in college. We, I, I went to hang out with Pete one time and we met in the dining hall area or something. We like we passed did. each other. We did, it was at, we met in Trevant, baby. We met in Trevant. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then we, we met further in a bachelor fantasy group. Anyway. I, I had fun in that group, it's a good but it's, group. it's something I miss. It's a fun group. India, it sounded like you didn't know what you were saying at all and making it up the entire time. That was my impression. Is that not what you do? Yeah, Pete, if you think about it, that's that's how conversation happens. Are we actually doing all four? I feel no. like that's going to turn the intro no, into like no, 10 no, minutes no. of this intro. This was good. This was good. This was good. No, we've already had three oh. separate instances of intro music because India started hers twice. So. I'm excited. No, that's good. That's good. But this doesn't this let the two of you off the hook? It does you know? for now, but it's fine. Hey, we'll have in further intros in the future. Stay stay yes, tuned. That's true. But today, stay tuned. Today we're talking about your questions. Everybody. That's right. Today uh, we're talking about the Bone Hunters. We uh, have finished the sixth book in the series and we are putting a pin in it. I keep wanting to say that phrase as finishing the thing, but that's just not what the phrase is. Right. We're putting the kibosh on it, baby. We finished sure. book six. We're reading. Um, <sighs> you want us to take it from there? Yeah, say we could take it. Yeah, I got it. So look, we finished the Bone Hunters. It was eight. 
And now we're going to answer your questions about it sent in through various sources, including Gmail and Discord <laughs> and, and nowhere else. All right. Maybe Twitter. Let Did we me, get any tweets? Uh, let me start with this question. Mm. This one comes in from Eggs. Uh, shout out. I love Eggs. Can you spell Eggs? Love Eggs. Always a big fan. At the beginning of the series, we're introduced to Shadowthrone and Cotillion as scheming evil characters. Throughout the series, we see more of them through the eyes of their agents, Apslar, Cutter, Kalam, and we get an idea of what they are trying to do. While their magnum opus is yet to be revealed, do you trust that they have humanity or civilization's best interest at heart, or do you think they are lusting for power? Hmm. That's an awesome question. It's a great pass. It's a great question. Yeah. Um... Damn. I've never I thought of that. <laughs> I trust Cotillion, I think, yeah. more than Shadowthrone, personally, at this stage. Yeah, Would you I think say I that's agree. because you know more about what Cotillion is thinking than Shadowthrone? No, no, I trust people who I've seen cry. That is what it comes down to. <laughs> if I've seen you cry, instantly more trust. And so I've seen Cotillion cry in this book, although we don't confirm tears, but his head's in his hands. All right, that counts. Um, cry adjacent. Yeah, Jason. exactly. <laughs> so I think I trust that he has humanity, but I don't know. They're not like all knowing and shit. They know yeah. a lot of stuff, but not all knowing. So I hope they get it right. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat as you, Josh. I trust Cotillion, not so much Shadow Throne. But I do think it started out at least as a lust for power. And I think for Shadow Throne, it still is that. But I think maybe for Cotillion, it has shifted to and i don't even know if it's humanity or civilization's best interest it's just like oof this isn't what i want now what is it <laughs> um, yeah do you think it was lust for power though because they had you know like but that's the whole thing they they said they were they were going through the the azath houses and stuff trying to figure that out and then they were like oh we need more power to be able to do this properly that's uh well okay i get what you're saying but I more guess... power to that but i thought the end they were going towards was uh, was always like to help some, in some way. Did we know the end? Or, I don't know if we uh, knew the end. I don't know. Maybe we didn't. I mean, right now the end is not the world fucking ending from the crippled yeah. god. So I don't even know if that's I don't even know if that's what it is, because I feel like Shadow Thrones just like the ends is me not dying. <laughs> I don't okay, know. I could see that. I could. I don't know. That. Like, I don't think it's like the crippled god coming or they want to stop the crippled god because it'll end civilization or whatever. They want to stop. I feel like Shadow Thrones wants to end the crippled god because they're afraid Oh, well, yeah, 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 for sure. God died twice. Hey, India, great question. (laughs) I feel like you don't die. You just kind of get chained up somewhere around. Well, the thing about the thing about God's dying is they can't because they're not they're not willing to die. And that is a God is not willing. uh, (laughs) That was a not not even reference. It's not even a reference. It was just some wordplay. It was not. You didn't do it, bud. I hate to tell you, but you didn't do it. No, AJ, it was it was pretty good. Um, Thank you, India. India, let me extend Egg's second question to you. How do you feel about Cotillion's character development so far? Would you like to see more or less of him? Uh, that's a good question. In the grand scheme of the story, I'm not sure if I need to hear more of it. He bothers me. I think it's the perspective. It's just he's just such an asshole. And when he tries to be nice, it makes me angry because it just comes off as like, fuck you. Mm. Especially with like the uh, what's her name? Absalar bullshit that really steamed me because like you don't get to be nice now so I don't really care who you are as a character because you're just kind of an asshole but in that well, I guess you know that's character development baby so <laughs> I, 
was kind of struck by an egg's question about describing that i guess egg's first impression of shadow throne and cotillion stuff is that they were evil or scheming uh i was just kind of talking with andy smith about this for the spoiler cast i feel like my impression of them at the beginning was neither of those things and was more that i kind of ascribed them a type of mythic quality i feel you know so hmm. i certainly never thought of them as evil I don't know. Not even when they just randomly killed Sari's whole uh, village. Well, listen, here's the thing. I don't I I think they are evil's a bad word, but I do think they're like morally dubious. And I especially don't like I I don't like either of them. Where do we cross the line of morally dubious and evil? Mm. Well, uh, I I don't know. It's just evil's a very loaded word, but it's all a matter of perspective. um, And. But all this is to say, I, I don't know, when I was reading the book early on, I was not very, I don't know, I feel like my first read through, I was not very skeptical of those two. You know, that's just Weird. a question. I don't want to push, just, but I'm fascinated on what you consider to be evil. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I just think evil evokes, <laughs> I just think evil evokes a type of, I don't know, it's just a very abstract word that I think Listen, I think Shadow Throne is a pretty bad guy, is my official opinion. Mm. I agree with that. Yeah. I don't know if Cotillion's as bad, but I agree with Shadow Throne for sure. I think Cotillion's just as bad. They're equally as bad. Wow. I don't, I don't, I don't know. So, harsh, but, harsh take from PP this morning. I don't know. I kind of agree, I think. I think Cotillion's as bad in a, in a just following orders kind of way. Um, like the top, I think he is plenty to, to doing plenty on his own. Sure, and yeah, but I just mean like the the time to be like, ooh, maybe this is bad was like you know <laughs> a decade ago or whatever. Like, yeah, well, before they made an empire and launched aggressive wars to colonize <laughs> multiple. Well, I'm not even thinking about them as Sorry. as Kalenved and Dancer. I'm just thinking only as Shadowthorn and Cotillion. But yeah, yeah, I wasn't even thinking about that. Yeah, when you put it like that, yes, it's equally as bad. <laughs> but hey, people can change, right? I am so out of it. This podcast is a mess. Nah, we're good. We're usually, good. You, probably... usually you don't say that for like an hour. Well, I mean, podcast, Josh, so. if you look at how long the call's been going. <laughs> this next question, once I make it bigger so I can read it. This next question's from Max Wheel from Discord. For a book named The Bone Hunters, I have ironically always found that the Bone Hunters themselves are, in fact, the least interesting part of the story. I personally feel like Erickson at this point realizes he has reached character overload and instead gives us these quick personality profiles akin to something from an Agatha Christie detective novel. Mm. The parentheses, the stubborn young lady slash old war veteran, etc. With Smiles, Corrick, Tar, and the other new names as opposed to fully realized character. As AJ mentioned, Smiles' personality? She likes to throw knives. <laughs> My gut thinks this is a deliberate move by Erickson, and he is aware that these characters are not going to land fully with the readers if he makes it too complex. Because at this point in the story, we are too saturated with other, more rounded characters to care for. So he chooses to brush the surface of the 14th and play on their one-trait cards, so we get just enough chew-on connected with each name to distinguish them from each other and make them feel somewhat unique. My questions to the gang are... Do you feel like Erickson does a good enough job to make the members of the 14th come alive during the course of this book? And if not, what is actually missing? And two, would you have preferred to learn more about the Bone Hunters themselves in this book? Or are you feeling satisfied with them as characters and the time we spent with them in relation to the other plot lines? When I tell you, I do not want to answer that question. I feel, and I'll tell you, I feel strongly about this question. Good. Josh, go ahead. Josh, you feel strongly. Why don't you go off? I think that... If you feel like these characters were poorly characterized, 
then you think a large number of the characters that we have met in these books are poorly characterized because well, I don't think they said poorly characterized. All right. If they just you don't said think quick they if you thinly don't, characterized. Sure. Yeah, thinly characterized. Sure. Because g- gun to your head. What do you know about Mallet? Hedge? Any of the people we left in book three that like are cornerstone characters in the bridge burners? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's always been the case with the minor and not even minor, but just like the non-core uh bridge burners that soldiers that we've met i mean even stormy and gessler like we've had them yeah. since book two and what do we know about them other than their past is more storied than they lead best to believe and they don't crave power yeah they're we bronze. really only know yeah they're bronze that's true yeah we really only know a lot about stormy and gessler uh, the events that we've read them go through we don't know anything about them previous yeah, and right. not even previous, like, I don't even know what their motivations are most of the time, which and I think that's kind of what this question is getting at. Like, we don't know about a lot of the, like, we're not getting a lot of depth to these characters is what this question is arguing. And I would say that I think that is purposeful and is fine because that we don't need, not every character needs, uh, like, entire paragraphs explaining their inner thoughts. I think their actions mm. tell us most of, like, like, a lot of what we need to know about them. Mm. Josh, I just so fully disagree. I know. With this. I could tell. No. I could tell you. I could tell you did as soon as you started shaking your head. Yeah, you're <laughs> it's just. Well, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but not in this way that, like, you know, I. I guess I feel like these characters are poorly characterized, and a lot of other characters are also thinly characterized. <laughs> Do you know? What yes. I mean? No. I. Well, I'm. I, I. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Now listen. I think it's a separate question of whether it's like a problem. You know, yes, I mean, I yes. think if you look at a character like Breathless, do you mean, is this like a fleshed out character who I know a lot about and like has this rich internal? No, it's not. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, it's like this is essentially a comic scene. Mm-hmm. It's like a comic, you know, beat. And some of these soldiers are meant to play really, really tiny supporting parts, you know? So maybe they're not as fleshed out as a character like Absalar, who is one of these you know, fundamental parts of the story. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I didn't present myself that way, I agree. Sorry. I, I don't think it's a huge problem some of the time, but I, I seriously agree with some of this thing where I think in this book, the Bone Hunter stuff, some of the individual soldier stuff lands pretty weakly for me. And I mm. think, especially in the scenes where you have six soldiers sitting around and it's just like they're all giving each other shit, doing the thing. I don't know. Some of this just blends together and one soldier becomes another soldier and I don't. Don't always walk away feeling like those scenes leave me with a lot on my plate. So um, I usually sometimes I don't think it's a huge problem, but I do. Uh, I do feel like I don't know. Sometimes it is. I feel I think I agree with a lot of what you said, Pete, like and, I, and, and, and it's not most of the time. It's not necessarily a problem, but I do think it does lead to these scenes, like you said, where you have these six soldiers just like hanging out and and I have thought several times throughout this book, I was like, oh, shit, I forget which one of these characters has which personality <laughs> trait, uh, especially in the earlier sections of the book. But I think that also is kind of just like it, it speaks a lot to the composition of like, I don't know if necessarily the Malazan army, but just like armies in general. It's just like the main they, they don't have a lot of room for personality because they are in, you know, I don't know. They're in the army like the uh, I forget whose story it is, maybe Coric or someone joins when they're like really young and like they've been in the the Malazan army for their entire life pretty much. So it's like there's not a lot of personality I feel like you can develop having just spent all your time as a part of this like larger whole because a lot of what your motivations are is to just like serve this this greater thing and not really like I don't know be a person. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pete's got Pete's got a look. Uh, <laughs> I thought I thought I was agreeing with you. Yeah, but you can agree with Peter, but he'll still not agree with you. <laughs> that, <laughs> is a, that is a that is a cornerstone Pete trait. That's big facts. That's a big fucking facts. Um, but I guess did we? Um, yeah, India. What do you think? Well, I think that for me, the lack of like. I don't want to say meaningful characters like there's just so many and so many of them are just kind of like there um, and don't I feel like like pretty much what what is being said in the question. There are characters that don't really aren't fully, you know, I don't really know much about them. And as a result, I don't know when I'm reading. because All right. Let me start this thought over. I think when you read these books, you have to be fully invested in your reading to understand what's going on. For someone like me, I'm never that fully, I'm never fully invested. I'm invested, but like, I'm not memorizing that smiles or mallet, whatever the fucking names are, or anything about them. And so if their only distinct trait is that, I don't know what you said, they like to throw knives. I I don't even know who, Mm -hmm. who that is, but like, that doesn't stick for me. I still don't even know the difference between Fiddler and Kalam, Kalam. Yes, you do. I swear. I swear, if you ask me which one of them assassin, actually, I do know. Kalam is the assassin. Hey, there we go. There you go. Um, You know him. Okay, you know him. But when I'm reading about them, I don't remember who's done what. Like, their their past or anything like that. Mm. So, Mm. for me, these other characters who really don't have any um, distinctive traits, I'm kind (laughs) of always... That's why I hate any kind of scene with the 14th and the biting and shit, because I have no idea who they are. None of, nothing matters. When any, whenever any of them die, unless it was like Whiskey Jack, I'm like, oh, all right. Another one bites the dust. Like, yeah. <laughs> and because of that, it's really hard for me to connect with the story because there mm. are so many, at first of all, I'm not that connected to it to begin with. And then you add the sheer number of characters to it and I'm really not connected. I think it definitely depends on the kind of book you want to read. Or you're like, for a book like this, I think you definitely need to be able to, and I think that's the intention though, like to give it your full, to actually have to think. Mm. When I read, I, think, I don't want to have to think. I think there's pros and cons to the scope of having that many characters yeah. and that like characters that you'd like and resonate with, like you, like everyone can end up finding some that they do. But then the downside is like, obviously having so many characters in that story means it's like, it can really change the narrative pacing of it and how many and just... There's a lot, I don't know, there's other stuff. But one thing I want to pick out and that kind of touch on what India said is that like, uh, to fur- furthermore on this point, is, you know, he says, uh, Ma- Ma- Maxwell says here, I personally feel like Erickson at this point realized he has reached character overload, which I don't. Would he admit it? Yeah, because well, he, he, there's t- more characters in the next four books, so. There's more characters that are coming. Do you mean the reason I just don't like even like in the finale of the book, part of the finale of this book is like, oh, we got to get some new characters introduced real quick right. just so we can get them. Do you mean yeah. like I, I, I just don't agree that like I mean, I, I get I get what he's saying is that like as the number of characters grows, maybe their characterization thins. But anywho's, um, Inge, you want to read one for us? Liam from Gmail. My question is, how did Pete convince India to participate in this monstrous project? I've enjoyed the change in her reaction since the beginning, which was first book. I hate this. I don't understand anything. Nothing makes sense. And it's boring. And I hate it. (laughs) Facts. Whereas now, 
hate this, but I understand why. So I love it. <laughs> My other question for everyone is what's your favorite kind of cheese? I like Stilton. It's lovely with biscuits and apricot jam. Liam, phenomenal question. And oh. how do you and <laughs> how right. do you feel so about it? So here's what happened. <laughs> Peter had been um coyly playing at the idea of starting something. And he wouldn't tell me what it was until he saw me in person and could describe it to me. So I was like, okay, I'm definitely interested in your idea. So then we actually got together and Peter laid it out. And I was like, yeah. And really, you just said, it's gonna, It's a really annoying book and it's really long, but I think it could be a really fun and good idea and a good project. And anything to keep me in constant communication with Peter. Oh, oh. <laughs> if I'm being honest. Um, and it's really, and then I, and then that extended to also Josh and AJ. And now I'm in so deeply in love with each of these beautiful people that I couldn't imagine not doing the podcast anymore. Now we're all trapped in this prison together. (laughs) But you know what? It's a prison built on freaking love. It's a prison built on mutual respect. It's one of the most healthy relationships I've had with people in a very long time. Thus, here I am, baby. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for sharing, Inge. Uh, I do just want to say, Liam is someone who frequently sends us emails. They're always a delight to read. I always let Pete respond. Um, but Liam, I just want you to know that I do read your emails. I love the pictures of your cat. Um, they're always so good. Uh, favorite kind of cheese? Top chief, yeah. Top cheese for me is a sharp provolone, hands down. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, that's a good Interesting one. choice, PB. That's it's hard. One. You can't go wrong with a nice, like, Vermont sharp white cheddar. That's also true. Uh-oh. Well, there's lots of good cheeses. There's if so we're many talking, good cheeses. Overall favorite. Mm. I'm huge into cheese. <laughs> Very hard. Yeah. I think I'm a, a smoked Gouda person. Big fan of a smoked Gouda. I, uh, you know what it is? I don't love the smoke. For me, I think I'm just going to mm. default, mostly because I can't think right now, but probably a really good Gruyere. Oh, yeah, Gruyere. Man, I love cheese. <laughs> I yeah, keep, I could talk about this all day. Y'all keep saying different kinds of cheeses, and I'm like, yeah, that one too. Um, <laughs> I think, it, actually, I think in terms of, like, cheese on its own, I'm, or, like, I mean, Liam said with, with apricot jam, but I'm a big fan of, like, a brie uh, with, with a fig jam or really any kind of, oh, of jelly yeah. jam or spread. I've like, got, we, we got, we've got fig jam in the fridge for when we, when we want to be fancy. Oof, yeah, dude. Yeah, I think it's brie. I think brie is the most versatile. AJ, do you want to <laughs> pick one of the paragraphs from Sean and uh, share Sean's email? Sure. Uh, so sure. this next one comes from Sean via our Gmail. Sean actually asked two. I'm going to read one first. Uh, there is a kind of poetry in the fact that it's Absalar who kills Pearl in the end. Pearl's a really tragic character for me in that he starts out as this smug killer then reclaims some essential core of humanity during his time with Lestara, but finally uses Lestara's loss as an excuse to let that humanity go, to act as a cold-hearted killer again and feel only numbness. And he lets it go prematurely, as it turns out, since Lestara isn't actually gone. Compare this with Absalar, a smug killer, as Sari, who reclaimed her humanity during her time with Crocus, then let it go even as she let him go, so that she could act as a cold-hearted killer again and feel only numbness. Which begs the question... Was her surrender also premature? I'm just going to go ahead and say 
Absalar was not a cold-blooded killer. In fact, she was possessed and turned into a cold-blooded killer. (laughs) A little bit different, Sean. A little bit different. I do think there's a difference, but that parallel is like chef's Yeah, that parallel is really, really well drawn, Sean. So props to that. Uh, Was her surrender also premature? See, I don't know if... mm, I think the difference... I mean, she still has a chance to find Crocus and change. That is true. Yeah. But I yeah. think she voluntarily, I think she did voluntarily like give up on that part of her life. But for I think bit, that, for a bit, I think I i mean, I think she's kind of maybe on the swing back, but I don't know. I think the difference is between her and Pearl is that Pearl like, you know, became a cold hearted killer again to feel and, and felt only numbness um, and was like alone in that. But I think Absalar, not to say like. Not to say like Cotillion is the best support system or the most healthy, but I feel like Cotillion is like, hey, you don't like have to be this cold hearted killer. <laughs> uh, but I mean, that's a whole other complicated thing. I don't think her I think her surrender was premature, but I also think she never truly like gave up on it. I think with with Pearl thinking that Lestara was dead, I think it made it way easier yeah. for him to just be like, oh, well, there's nothing else left to live for whatever you know and i think with absalar you know she knows that crocus is well she's pretty sure that crocus is still alive so so it's less of like a complete disconnect india doesn't she think that crocus is dead i know her i think she she knows that attack that big attack happened or yes she came out alive i think she knows that it happened and thinks that maybe he could be dead but i think she thinks he's he's alive i also didn't somebody tell her i don't remember i think he said that two people i think he said scolara lived and I, but I don't remember if he said that Crocus lived. Yeah. But I do think a really big difference here is the decision making process in it, where yeah. Absalar made a decision, I think, out of love, kind of. Yeah, to leave, yeah, 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 yeah. To leave Crocus and like go off and do her own thing. I don't think that she, I think that she did that out of love and maybe fear for who mm. it was and what it was doing to Crocus. Whereas, so she made a choice. Whereas yeah. Pearl didn't really mm. have a choice. He just kind of like, you know, he thought she was dead and was like, okay, well, that's that. But Absalar chose to to go away. And she didn't choose to go away to be a cold-blooded killer. She chose to go away to make sure that Crocus wasn't one. And I think that mm. um I, I don't know. I just don't I like I you guys love that parallel. I I and I'm not I'm saying that I don't, I'm just saying I don't get it. Yeah. I'm with India. I don't I don't I'm with India. I don't think I agree with the parallel. Because I just think like the motivations I, I, are two complete different, and the reasons that they are the way they are are two complete different like reasons. And Absalar, I, yeah, and Absalar, I, I think there's not a parallel. I think my other issue with it is Absalar is doing what she is told right now. Like she has been told, you need to take out these people, and it's for the good of the world. Pearl is like, I'm a genius, and I'll just kill everyone that's in front of me until I'm in this position of power. Like he even talks about possibly killing Lacine. And be in, I guess, becoming yeah. emperor. Like they're so different. I think I just like the parallel, like boiled down to its very basic pieces. I don't think they're very similar characters at all. But I think when you boil it down to to the bare bones, the base that Sean did, yeah, I feel like that's just a really interesting thing. Yeah. Um, but I totally agree, India. I think the motivations really, really make the difference. That's a really good point. Absalar makes me so sad in this book. I yeah. mean. It's it's just a tremendously sad character in this in this. Book. I was almost sad yeah. for Pearl until he used that poison <laughs> and was like, "What up? I did it. Yeah. I'm the king of assassins." 
Yeah. Well, I think I think that's a really good a really good way for Pearl's storyline to illustrate like this dude has left behind everything that he has ever like stood for. You know, yeah. like at this point, he's just doing it uh, kind of out of like impulse, you know, like mm-hmm. it's 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 nothing. It, there's no honor or thought or anything going into it. It's just like total, total impulse. Um, Sean also asked a second question. Sean says, I cannot rave enough about the dynamic between Lacine and Tavor in their scene together. The sense of shared history between them is conveyed in so few words and ends up roiling beneath the surface as this undercurrent of subtle body language, which they both clearly understand, but which the reader has to work really hard to decipher. They both walk into the room thinking that they 100% understand the other and are both totally blindsided by how their choices have taken them down irreconcilable paths. Lacine chose to let go of her humanity and become an avatar of the Empire to live entirely within the material reality of geopolitics. Tavor chose to abandon the Empire in favor of her human connection and sense of moral duty to the 14th and the Wiccans, and a kind of faith in her own purpose, which even she can't clearly articulate. Just such a beautiful turning point for these two characters. So not really a question, just kind of a, a comment on, on Lacine and Tavor, which I, I grok with pretty good. Which, uh, let me branch this into this, you ready? Bada bing, bada boom. One more meme, I need you, from our Discord says, Josh, I'm directing this directly at you. What are your thoughts, feelings on Tavor now that you finished the book? How has your perception of her changed? Did she slowly grow on you? Or were you more undecided until her actions at Malaz City? Does seeing her in a more favorable light conflict with her introduction in Deadhouse Gates? And what she did to Felicent? I think I've definitely left this book liking Tavor a great deal and it did not start in Malaz City with me well uh no it didn't start with Malaz City I think a lot of the decisions that she was making uh up to then I was kind of enjoying uh she didn't punish the uh the people who came back from Yagatan for you know technically two of them had deserted and she was like nah this was a great trip like 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 starting from there she was already showing that she was willing to kind of like break from what she should be doing which was a big move for her because i feel like up until then everything about her screamed will always choose what the rule book says so i think mm. starting then i was kind of like okay okay tavor's not the worst and then yeah malaziti like as soon as she told uh Keneb, like hey what's up you're in charge don't let them get on the boats and i mean i guess murder people if you need to you you have my blessing uh, from then on, I was like, ah, yeah, Tavor's sick. Like her a lot. India, uh, how, how do you feel now with Tavor? And how do you feel about, how do you reconcile these feelings with what she did to Felison? <sighs> well, <laughs> you know, okay. We can't judge Tavor on one <laughs> action that she didn't even know she was doing. You know, Preach. don't make mistakes. If you judged me based on one action, you could call me a horrible person. Or you testify on another yeah. action, and I could be the perfect, perfect person. So I think what I'm getting at here is we are all only human. Tavor is only human. Everyone gets everyone gets one sibling whoopsies. And exactly. if your sibling whoopsies is a murder, look, everyone gets one. Like everybody who has a sibling understands that sometimes you do things you can't come back from, but you don't kill your sibling in the process. You usually can. This was not the case with Tavor, but. And she, she didn't know. She didn't know. It could have been anyone. Yeah. A serious note. No, like, yeah, I was pissed off when she first did it. Um, you know, but 
and I was just more annoyed because I really liked Felison. It could have been anyone. I could have hated yeah. anyone that killed Felison. So now that Tavor is like, you know, being all chivalrous and whatever, I guess she's fine. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't have any particular feelings of love for her. She's She did do pull some power moves in Malaz City that I enjoyed, but it didn't really change anything for me about her. She is still just kind of annoying. Mm. I think what it is is I'm mostly just so I get I I would I so strongly feel that she is responsible for that that I'm more like but that you know that to, you know I agree it's not like you should that's like the only thing you should think about with your character but I just I always get into arguments about people who want to exonerate her from that decision which I strongly the decision to about. kill the leader of the apocalypse yeah Josh that's that's exactly what it is yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's a great email from Rick. I, like some people in the cast, am not a fan of Carsa in book four. However, I think Carsa provides a useful role in book six and later, but I will stick to what the podcast has covered. Carsa in Bone Hunters is acting to me as a mechanism for showing Samar Dev the limits of science, technology, and the Enlightenment, as we would broadly understand it, and the way Carsa's world was open to a broader experience in House of Chains. CMR often comes from an often used position of people in power and coming from the status quo of the neutral importance of science and progress. And we know from the history that those things are not blameless or neutral in the way that empire expands and colonization happens. It is very easy in their conversations throughout the Bone Hunters to take CMR's side in them because we, the reader, also live inside civilization. However, I think that Carsa is doing a pretty good job of showing the ways in which civilization uses science and technology and language to obfuscate and elide the violence and chains within it. It should also be noted that Carsa doesn't often talk about destroying the people of the world, he just wants to destroy the systems the people have built from the world, and these are very different things. Which brings me to the most recent episode that covered up the chapter 20. A lot of jokes and asides about the only people using violence to support their goals being tyrants. And I get how this belief is enforced in people throughout their life. But revolutionary struggles throughout history that benefited the poor and working class are for the most part violent conflicts. These conflicts are not violence for the sake of it or violence out of nowhere. They are reactions to the true idea that the status quo of imperialism and capitalism is violence towards the people on a scale much greater and much more consistent than taking up violence for revolution against those systems. Whew. Big email. Big email. I we got that email and uh, I wanted us to try and get to it, but it was the we 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 were making the finale episode. There just wasn't time in that episode to respond mm. to that email. But yeah, I think this one's this one's tough for me, Pete, because I wanted to read it on the show. I thought it was yeah. an interesting email. I know we uh, we were uh, I certainly have my opinions about this, and I, I sent him a bit of a response. But AJ, I wonder what uh, wonder what this email makes you think about. Um, I also read this email, <laughs> and at the time was. For the record, Just Indy like, and I don't get the email password, so we didn't get to read this email. You, okay, you, you have, have the password. You have you the email the password. Email. Do not tell pretend me, we're trying to keep right this now. info tell from you. Right now. I don't even know the email. Do you even know the email, Josh? I think it's Tenvery <laughs> Books Podcast. What do you mean? I say it every time on the show. It's only because he says it every time. I think it's Tenvery Big Books We have a document in our shared... It doesn't... Never mind. Whatever. All right, let's get into the show. Yeah. There's definitely... I mean, I mean, there's this, a lot the, there. The, there's just a lot. Yeah. To, it's just a big email. So I'm just I think I'm just going to address the second part about the the revolutions aren't violence for the sake of violence. I think the thing that we were more addressing in that episode was more of people using these to, to in its simplest terms, I guess, um, using these weapons 
of Carsa and Icarium to, you know, force their agenda, I guess. I think there's a difference between that and like a revolution of the people because it's not like I don't think any revolution has ever been based on, hey, the people have seized a nuke and now we are going to use the nuke. We're going to use the nuke against this this empire or the 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 system that we you know, that is oppressing us. I think that's the main difference there. And I think that is more of at least what I was feeling in 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 that episode um, of people just the, the, of I mean, it's Tarlac Veed and um, not even Samar's not even really using Carsa. Carsa is just kind of along for the ride of destroying people. So more Tarlac Veed using Icarium. It was it was less in a sense of like violence shouldn't be used for for people to for like a people to uprise against an oppressive system and more like oh man i don't know it's <laughs> i feel like i'm talking myself in in circles i've kind of talked myself into a corner i feel well it's a big question i don't know it's if a you big question i think to it yeah i don't know if this so that those those are my feelings i think is is i just feel like it's more of terralak vid using Icarium as this like nuclear option instead of like a people uprising against an oppressive leader or anything. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, the, the email's touching on a lot, and I don't think we're going to get to all of that right now. But, um, Aj, to take your lead and hone in on this specific point, I think for me, when you talk about peace by sword and peace by using this specific type of violence... It, the thing is, it's just such a big conversation, and it's, it's about so ethics. much. I feel like we could have a whole episode just about this well, email. <laughs> well, it's it's an it's a type of ethical question, and I just mm-hmm. don't think we're going to crack that type of nut right here. I'm certainly don't know that much about ethics, but I guess for me, I'm just always fairly skeptical of uh, someone like Tarlac Veed's claim. Because usually when someone's like, well, if we just kill these people, there'll be no more violence and things will be good. You know, that is almost always proven to be wrong, you know? Yeah, Um, sure. And but, you know, I do recognize that a lot of change does involve violence. And throughout history, there's been lots of violence that, you know, has led us to where we are today, you know? Um, So, you know, how we think about violence, how we talk about violence is a very complicated thing. I just want to mm. share the email. I thought it was a really thoughtful email. Yeah. But I also think something that's kind of being confused in that language is like how broad of the word violence can mean, you know, because I think especially that when you're going to talk about it in that state, what do we exactly mean by that word is, uh, I think, an important thing to figure out in that conversation. But mm. here is a... a- a slightly less philosophical question. Rick, thank you so very much for the email. If I, hey, if any of you have feelings about that, head on over to the Discord and you can talk about it with everybody else. Uh, I, I really honestly would, would love to hear everybody's opinions on this. A slightly less philosophical, heady question uh, from Ryan in our Discord. I think you'll agree that Bone Hunters is the book where the major diverging storylines that are set up in the first half of the series finally start to converge and you can sort of, just a little, glimpse a little about where the story is going. Now that you've finished the Bone Hunters, do you feel any more grounded in the Malazan world than you did before? Josh, you feeling grounded? After this book? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a pretty resound it's it's going to be a pretty resounding yes. I think we talked about earlier in The Bone Hunters or I, or I I did rather. I felt like this was the first Malazan book I was like reading and not like studying, I guess. It didn't this didn't feel so much like a history book as it did like yes. a a, reg, a regular book where I'm just reading about these characters that I know doing things. Yeah. 
And there were uh, certainly things that, you know, new information that showed up, new characters, new events, whatever. But I feel like I was able to experience those instead of having to, like, pick my way through it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah, so. I, th I think this one I definitely had the most grasp on overall. Yeah. When this episode goes up, I'll put Rick's email on the Discord so we, yep. can, uh, we can talk a little bit more about it. But So with that said, I think it's time for us to push into putting a button on the bone hunters and this entire book and season of the show let's talk big picture thoughts what do you think of the sixth book um who wants to go first i like this book i thought it was very fun i understand what steve said now about it being two books in one like definitely yagatan is a big turning point i actually really enjoyed a lot of the uh the side plots in this like i i actually didn't hate karsa and samar's stuff uh and thought it was kind of interesting uh and the acarium and mapo storyline was also pretty intriguing to me so i'm excited to see where a lot of those disparate elements end up in the next couple books but uh the 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 bone hunter storyline itself really grabbed me from the beginning i love the 14th i'm on the record as that of saying that uh and the malaz city shit was one of the best finales i think of the series so far i think probably top two for me if not my favorite i want to jump in second and uh read a message from weep lord and uh their question is the bone hunters has two dominant reputations amongst the Book of the Fallen fandom at large. It's either the book that starts to bring everything in the series together or the scattershot one that is hurt by a lack of focus on a single location or thematic through line. Where do you fall on this binary or do you reject the binary entirely? Now, whilst I do love rejecting binaries, I will say uh, I do think this book is severely hurt by... Like to me, eh, severely, it's a big word. I think this book is kind of a mess is my official opinion. Um, <laughs> I just think there's just a lot going on. And I don't really like what I was talking about on the spoiler cast a little more detailed. Um, but I basically feel like all of the individual parts I like a lot and are really good. And I like the chapters, you know, but I don't really feel like it adds up to anything. And at the end, I just don't know if anything happened besides I read a bunch of chapters I liked, you know, and I don't know if that's enough. You know, I feel like even if a book like House of Chains, a book I don't like, I still feel like there's like a bleeding heart and there's something there. And like I can mm. like I'm like, I don't know. I'm just like feel moved and I'm provoked by that book in a way that I feel like this book just completely leaves me going like, OK, cool it's just like i'm just just feel like i'm shaking my head like okay that was pretty cool you know i don't feel fucking you know energized at all so that's that's my take i mean i definitely mm. walked away coming way down on this book i mean i still think it's pretty good i just and, and all the individual sections are pretty good but i just it's missing something spiritual for me i think hmm. no rebirth by fire for you uh, with not, this book not for me not for me <laughs> i get that idea of of feeling like the book is scattershot. But I think the way that I, ever since we've done this first conversation with Steve, I'm constantly thinking about all of these books as just like a whole bunch of short stories that he writes. So I think that makes this book work a lot better for me because in my head, this was like maybe three books, maybe four books in one. Just like we had we had the 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 first chunk through Egatan, and then we had another like slightly less interesting book after that. And then I feel like the all of book four, I feel like is its own 
like could be another like a third book or I guess novella. I don't but know. AJ, it's one book yeah. and it's it's like they, they told me it's one book. Do you mean? I, I don't, sure. Uh, I, I, uh, just, I get uh, that. Then why does it say book one, two, three and four inside, Pete? Check <sighs> that's, me. That's how you, <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> no, Pete, I totally I, I totally I totally 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 understand that. And I definitely am coming from a space where I, I'm not applying Death of the Author because I am thinking about Steve's intent of this being two books and him being a short story writer. But I think that's what made me enjoy this book more. I definitely I still don't think it's my favorite book in the series, but I guess we'll get to ratings in a second. But I did have a very good time reading this book. I had a great time with the 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 birth of the Bone Hunters and the turn of Tavor and, and all of these more distinct i guess sides being set up because i feel like a lot of the, a lot of these books have just been like we're not really sure kind of where anybody stands i feel like we've kind of got more more concrete sides uh at the end of this book i like the book india did you like the book no um <laughs> no i didn't okay this book was my least favorite i don't know anything about the what question you asked peter because the second part of that was just like a lot of large words a lot of large adjectives that i just don't it's subscribe basically a lot of people a lot of people really like this book because they feel like it's a bunch of points coming together like all of the other books coming together and like you know making that, a that is story. that is how i feel at the end of this book or they feel like it's a whole bunch of w different storylines that don't really connect in in any major way right none of the storylines connect for me ever all of these books, every time a fucking wild card. So for me, that's not really the, the reason I didn't like it was a I just was not interested. Nothing surprised me and nothing. I was like, wow, this is awesome. Which like at least in every book, I have one of those moments where I'm like, maybe this isn't so bad. But in this book, it was bad every time. Everything was bad. It was long. It was drawn out. I was miserable and I hated it. And it was a lot of like, like. Not as much, like, I guess, like, it was a lot of, like, fighting and also, like, just, I don't know, I, uh, too much, too much, not enough intrigue, not enough interesting things going on for me, i.e., like, Absalar doing something that was not, you know, fight-related or, I don't know, it was just stupid. And and then the whole Scalara and Crocus parts were just stupid and annoying, <laughs> and it was just not, I just hated it. For no reason other than the fact that I just did not like the book. Everything about it, I did not like. And this is not anything to do with Steve, my friend. <laughs> Shuts out. It was just not, it was just not my cup of tea at all. I hated it. This is my least favorite book we've read so far. Well, and I can't even tell you why. I just did not that, like it. Yeah, that's really surprising. It's that's it's the least favored one, but because in every other book there was a moment where I was like, "This isn't so bad," and I cannot say that for this book. The time I was just fucking miserable reading it. Wow. Love ya. <laughs> um, four more to go. Yeah, and I'm four hoping that go. the next four, you know, because this is like the next four should be a whole new. You know, we're, we're really tying together the beginnings of our new story now, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to something happening mm. that I care about. Mm. Um, I quick wrote down, AJ mentioned that AJ wanted to do some rankings. So I quick wanted to throw on mine. Book two, Deadhouse Gates, Memories of Ice, Midnight Tides, The Bone Hunters, Gardens of the Moon, and then probably House of Chains last. 
I'm I'm ready. Wow. Uh, Man, I feel like this is going to be a, a really wild ranking. I feel like we're all going to be all over the place. I am Midnight Tides, Bone Hunters, Memories of Ice, Dead House Gates, House of Chains, Gardens of the Moon. Whoa. Uh, for me, uh, I've got Midnight Tides, Memories of Ice, Gardens of the Moon, House of Chains, Bone Hunters, Dead House Gates. I thought you liked Bone Hunters. I do like Bone Hunters. <laughs> I like all of these books. If you're but, not putting Gardens of the Moon in your bottom two, you're a lunatic. No, Josh, the thing is, I, I have you basically read, yeah, re-read I you read Gardens of the Moon. After, yeah, knowing the shit. It's a so. really good book when you know what's going on. It's really good. I really feel like Memories of Ice, I was so fucking horny over when we got done because it was the first time that like Steve did his big ending shit. That was so, so good. So, so right. And I feel like I'm disappointed in a way with Memories of Ice because I feel like it hasn't had lasting consequences on the series. Mm, yeah, I feel that. There's so much that happened in that book that like that we haven't come. We back are to. three books later and has never come up again. We spent mm. so much time in that book learning the history of the fucking Bargast for what? Why the fuck not? That's why. I will tell you this, Josh. I think your complaint is somewhat founded, but also a lot of that stuff will come back. So Okay, that's sure. fine. That's fine. We have four more books, baby. Yeah. Um, all right, Inge, your ranking uninterrupted. Okay, my ranking. I'm going to do Midnight Tides, House of Chains, Memories of Ice, Dead House Gates, Gardens of the Moon, Bone Hunters. Wow. I gotta we are say, all over the place. This podcast has been all over the place, by it, but this final wrap-up moment, I guess... Josh walked away so hot on Bone Hunters. I feel like we all kind of gave it a few more lashings than I thought we would, you know? I, I hated it. Well, yeah. Inge, uh, I, I heard that loud and clear. I can't well, express <laughs> enough how yeah. horrible I felt about this book. For no yeah. reason other than it was the most boring book I think was in the series so far. I think for me, I think this book, a good book. I liked it a lot. I think for me, this book, in retrospect, made me like House of Chains more. House of Chains was fire. House of Chains is really good. And I, and I think also thinking back on House of Chains and not having to, like, read House of Chains. <laughs> I don't know. I think I, think, I, think I like it uh, more being farther away from it. But a lot of the stuff that was set up in House of Chains, I feel like, was paid off kind of in Bone Hunters. Like, the stuff with Leoman and the stuff with... Uh, I mean, Carson did his whole thing. I really just like the whirlwind so stuff is over. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I just like House of Chains more than I like Bone Hunters. Inch, it is surprising that you call the book boring. To me, I have the many complaints I have about the book. It being boring is not one of them. And I find the book rather exciting. I just feel like it lacks a certain vision or like a certain uni uniting theme, which was mentioned in that question. Or just, I don't know. It doesn't. That's that's what I feel like it lacks. Not that I mean, if anything, I feel like it's a super fun book. It just doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I, I, rebirth, I, I, I baby. Spoke, the theme I is rebirth. Peace. <laughs> I mean, like I. I think the vision is we create like the good force for the rest of the series in this book. Yeah, we have drawn sides in this book that did not exist in in a concrete fashion prior to this book. Yeah, that does that means nothing to me. I feel I, like I. <laughs> I get, I get what you're saying, Josh, but I feel like that's just something that's happening on the plot level and not on like a thematic yeah. or like spiritual level, you know? I get excited about plot. I guess I'm just a, I'm a big dummy. I'm so I, sorry. Th I, I think it's an exciting, the book's yeah, I think it's because it's the second time you're reading the book. You know what's happening. 
Uh, no, I think I agree, true. actually, yeah. with Pete, because I think that's why it's fallen so low for me on my list is because it did a lot of plot stuff, which I really, really liked, but it didn't really do more than that, which I feel like Josh, all the other it, books did. Josh, it used to be maybe my favorite book. So yeah. it's like, I think it's a all big right. change coming this time through. So hmm. let me know hmm. in the boards if you agree with me, because uh, I'm the right. The boards, and, the forums, uh, the message boards. Josh, Josh my understanding is most people feel the way you do. I think it, it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's a popular book. And it's a good book. I... I don't want I don't want my low ranking to make you think I don't like the book. I just like all of these books. It's like we're in like yeah. we're in like the top the, the the top of the one to ten scale. Like all these books are just jammed together, and it's just matters of like point one, point two, point three. Like they're all they're all up there. I hate you, um, AJ, and I'll, I'm gonna let you know it. That's how I feel. What? Like <laughs> <laughs> if you hate me too, get on the boards. <laughs> I'm gonna start saying that from now on. No, get, there's too many Team AJ people. I'll lose that fight. Get on the boards. I just feel we're we've come so far. Yeah. From Guardians yeah. of the Moon. Yeah, we we've read six very big books for sure. We have, and man, I, if we didn't quit after the first one, you know, we're really in it for the long haul. I do. <laughs> when I think about Guardians of the Moon, I really do wish. I th not wish. I think it would be very cool if Steve had while he was still in, you know, the original 10 books headset mindset, had gone back and reformatted Gardens of the Moon to be more like what the rest of the series is. And I do think that may have helped a bit in some ways. What do you mean reformat? Like not one book, like not seven books? Yeah, and I think, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know, Josh. I, having, no, I, having I, mean, I agree. I think Erickson grows a lot as a writer throughout the series. And then he also kind of finds more what he wants to do and stretches and tries different things. But yeah. I think that's one of those things. I just, you know, I don't you, you can't go back, you know? Yeah, 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 I know. I know. I know. Yeah, Josh, I think I'm, I'm really curious to, to hear what you think when you reread Gardens of the Moon, because like never, to me, I'm never having, rereading Gardens of the Moon. I don't you gotta, read you books. Got, you have to at least, movies. Josh. You have to at least reread Gardens of the Moon. I'm I'm telling you this as somebody who read the first five books and then read Gardens of the Moon. I, or sorry, read three, four, and five. As I said Gardens on that season, it was a significantly better book the second time around. It is a really good book when like, you know what's going on. It's just a really fun, good book. Two hours per hour is not enough for me to do it. There, not, there need to be, there need to be a lot more. When I read it, then like every you know every couple chapters, I pick up something. Well, um, oh man. So that'll be it here for ten very big books and our Bone Hunters season. We're gonna go into the off season now, and of course, talk to Steve at the end of it. And we have a few different episodes coming out. We read the Third Willful Child book. We're gonna talk uh, Orb Scepter Throne. God is not willing's not getting out there. We're gonna have the spoiler cast. Lots of good stuffs coming out onto the feed and. Uh, that should take up a few weeks, and then we're actually taking a bit of a vacation here. So we're started Reaper's Gale up on October 1st, I believe is the plan. Yep. Um, so you can look forward to that. And uh, I uh, just wanted to say, quick serious note, I got my second vaccine shot today. Woo. And uh, I would just encourage anyone who has accessibility to the vaccine to get it. It's so important for uh, you and a lot of other people. So if you can get it and haven't got it yet, I would encourage you to get it, but... I agree. I would also encourage you to get it. Wow, Josh. 
not encouraging wow, the people to get their vaccines. Josh. Wow, I wasn't Josh. Listening. Your silence <laughs> speaks volumes. Your silence I, is I deafening. Was so, I was so lost on my other monitor looking at dumb shit. I, I have no idea what we were saying. Wow. All right. Well, was, listen, it a yes uh, or no, was it a yes or no question? I'll, I'll take a stab in the dark. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. It's a yes or no. No. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> Josh. Hot I can't wait for you to Josh. not listen back to this. I'm not. Yeah, I'll never listen to this episode. So. All right. Well, listen. Uh, I hope you. I uh, hope you guys are having a great summer. It's incredibly yeah. hot. Um. And uh. Yeah. The show might be a little different when we get into Reaper's Gale. Ooh, That's just a, a teaser. Heads up, a little teaser. Yeah. Uh. It'll be fun. Steve's I mean, on me. every episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's us just negging Steve for two hours. <laughs> every two weeks. Um, a fun thing that I don't know if any of us have thought about, because I certainly didn't until right this second, we've recorded most of the off-season stuff already, so we aren't going to talk for like a month, maybe? Sick. The four of us? Um, that's sad. Oh, this is nice. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> y'all gotta get one of these bad boys. They are a fucking game changer. Wow. Looks like a sex toy, Josh. It does look like a sex toy, and I, but I'm just like getting into my neck over here. It's incredible. <laughs> does and it we're not going to talk about what it is. No. It's, it's just like a not. piece of... It's not very sexy. Two plastic balls. Then it's not very sexy. End. If it doesn't vibrate, it's not gray shaft sexy. end. Yeah. Um, that's all staying in the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Listen, God bless. <laughs> Let's stop recording yeah. before you disparage our efforts. Yeah. <laughs>